0: Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for the fifth Sunday of Easter. That's May 7th, 2023. And this week, the gospel lesson is from John 14, verses 1 through 14, with a pretty famous verse, John 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, the background for understanding John 14 is is pretty important just time-wise. At the start of John 12, Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. So that, that of course, is when he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey and the crowds are, are shouting, Hosanna, save us now they're shouting blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord in other words they're quoting from psalm 118 which is a prophecy about the messiah so jesus rides in acknowledged by the crowd as the christ they've been waiting for and after entering jerusalem um the uh, the the Chief priests and the Pharisees, they, they express alarm that the whole world is going after Jesus. And, and right on cue, uh, some Greeks approach the disciples and say, uh, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Um, and, and in response to the triumphal entry and, and both Jews and Gentiles worshiping Jesus, uh, Jesus declares that he will save the world by being lifted up. And again, that term lifted up in John has a double meaning of of both or either exalted or crucified. And within the question, within his statement rather, is, is the question then, if Jesus is lifted up on the cross and put to death, how can he reign forever? How will he reign forever if he is in fact lifted up in crucifixion? And, of course, you and I know the answer because we we, we know how the story turns out, and we we hear the story with ears of faith, and so we know that he died and he's risen again. But, But as Good Friday is only five days away, at the start of John 12, people still have no understanding of how Jesus will, in fact, redeem the world by his death and resurrection. John 13 is the start of the Last Supper. So Jesus gathers with his disciples in the upper room. And there, the Son of God in human flesh, the one about to be sacrificed for the sins of the world, puts on servants' clothes, and he washes the disciples' feet, He tells the disciples once again that he is going to be betrayed and and, and put to death. And he also, at the end of chapter 13, tells Peter that Peter will deny him three times before the rooster crows. In fact, John 13 ends with verse 38 with Jesus saying to Peter, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So you can imagine at this point the, the agitation of the disciples. They've gathered for the Passover meal with their with their rabbi, with, with Jesus. And, and Jesus goes on to tell them he's about, about to be put to death. And Jesus goes on to tell Peter that Peter will deny him three times before sunrise the next day. And so the first verse of verse 14 is is really quite stunning because Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. (laughs) Despite the fact that that I'm about to be betrayed, arrested, crucified, despite the fact that you all are going to run away and Peter's going to deny me three times, let not your hearts be troubled believe in God, believe also in me. Now, with those words, Jesus begins his his, uh, Last Supper discourse that will span uh, chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. So, about a fifth of the Gospel of John is composed of Jesus' words to the disciples at the Last Supper. And this is the beginning and as he begins to speak to them, these, these final words before he is betrayed and, 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 and crucified, he starts by tying God the Father and God the Son together. Of course, that's been a a theme throughout the Gospel of John. Uh, John begins with creation. Um, As God created through the Son, all things were made. Um, The Father called Jesus his beloved Son. At at Jesus' baptism, Jesus has spoken of his Father several times in the Gospel of John. And now, as, as the crucifixion draws near, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Because you believe in God... And since God is my Father, says Jesus, you should also believe in me. If you believe God is at work now through the Son, says Jesus, trust that God the Father is still at work, even when the Son is dead on the cross. Let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus goes on to say this, there's there's, there's a purpose to his death. It's not just an unfortunate accident. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know where I am going. All right, so so Jesus says that that his purpose is to deliver his people into his father's house. And, and that's, of course, a description of heaven, but, but father's house is an interesting term there because it, it does indicate a, a, a house with, with solid walls, stone walls or whatever. And, and, and so there's a sense of permanency to what Jesus is saying. Remember that he has, he has become flesh, and in John 1:14, um, the incarnation is described with the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and the word dwelt there means tented, tabernacled. So uh, a tent is sort of a, a temporary structure. Um, but but Jesus has tented among them to deliver his people to his father's house. So his his time and their time on this earth in the body is temporary but he will rise again bodily to raise up his people bodily that they might dwell in the house of the Lord forever so the purpose of the son's life and impending death and resurrection is that he might deliver them to his father's house to heaven. And this will be kind of the the theme of this entire discourse. Chapters 14 through 17, Jesus is concerned that his disciples stay in the faith and that all who follow them stay in the faith until he returns in glory. So he finishes by saying, you know the way to where I am going. And in verse 5 we read, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Thomas, really speaking on behalf of the disciples, says, we don't know where you are going. Um, they, They probably understand the way of the Pharisees quite well. Keep enough rules and God will be pleased and take you to heaven. But, but what is this way of Jesus? Because so far it's been, follow me, and now it's, I'm about to be crucified. So why follow him? Why believe in him if he's about to be put to death? They have all the puzzle pieces they need, but once again... It won't be till after the resurrection when, when, they, when they see um, by Jesus' direction that he foretold all that would happen, including his cross and his rising again on the third day. So we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way, Asked Thomas, because if, if Jesus' way includes his death and thus his disappearance, how, how do they follow him? How do they know which way to go? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we just had recently the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And the, uh, the way I often teach Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life, is, is remember Martha says to Jesus, I know my brother will rise on the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, to to Martha, Jesus says, Your brother doesn't need the last day to rise from the dead. Your brother needs me. And here I am. And to show that he can raise the dead, he raises Lazarus right then. It's a similar thing here. Thomas says, okay, you're you're setting things up so that we can get to your father's house and thus get to your father. How do we get there if you disappear? How do we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. If you have me, the father's house is yours. And he adds, I am the truth and I am the life. Truth and life and the way to heaven, the way to the Father are all found in Jesus. So as Jesus dies, he's not going to say, now if you follow this path, or now if you do these heroic acts, you can make your way to heaven. The message is, if you have Jesus, you have the way to heaven, and heaven is yours. Now, again, this makes no sense to them because if Jesus is the way and Jesus dies, then does that mean there is no more way and no more truth and no more life? But again, though they don't believe it, he's going to rise again from the dead. And having conquered death, there is nothing that can ever stop him from being the way and the truth and the life. Now, one more note about John 14, 6 this verse is often treated as, as law. So if someone says, I believe there are many ways to heaven. And the response is, nope. Because Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way but Jesus. And that's true. But let's not miss the good news here. Because while many think that Jesus is, is too exclusive, and says, there could be many ways to heaven, but it's got to be through me. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, without my death and resurrection, you would have no hope of getting out of this place alive. But now there is a way, because I'm going to open the way to heaven by my death and resurrection. I sometimes use, uh, use the example of people trapped in a burning building. They don't know how to get out without, uh, without being burned to death along the way. And suddenly a fireman bursts into the room and says, follow me. I will show you the way out. Nobody says, well, if there's only one way to safety. That's not fair. I'm not going. They're thankful, grateful, rejoicing that there is a way. This is how we should treat John 14.6. Rather than say, what, God only provided one way to heaven? Rejoice. There is a way to heaven. And it's not something we work for or pay for because Christ has done the work at no less than shedding his blood to win our redemption so that we might have a way to the Father, a way to eternal life. Jesus goes on to say in verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Now this is the mystery of the Holy Trinity, right? Um, God the Father and God the Son are two distinct persons of the Trinity, but they are one God. And so to know Jesus the Son is to know the Father because they, they are the same in, in substance and in will. And so the good news here is that uh, is the Father and the Son don't contradict each other about, about salvation. But if you have the Son, then the Father is yours as well. And of course, we can expand that to say, if you have the Father and the Son, you also have the Holy Spirit. Philip's words next shouldn't really surprise us. We read in verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the count of the works themselves." So we can really only scratch scratch the surface of this. Of course, part of this is that because of man's sin, man cannot look on the face of God and live. So we have uh, Moses, for instance, in Exodus 33, asking to see God's face, and God says, no. Um, I'll, I'll, in fact, God says, I'll show you my back, but not my, not my face. Um, so if we are to look upon God the Father in his glory— there has to be someone who makes us holy, who purifies us and cleanses us. And that's that's the work of Jesus. That's what he's going to the cross to do. So if if God the Father is waiting in his house to welcome us before we can step inside, we, we have to be without sin. And so Jesus has come to do the work of his Father by taking our sins away. And so all of the uh, all of the works that he does are his father's will and his own will too because as father and son first and second persons of the trinity they are uh, they are completely like minded. And while they are distinct Jesus says the father is in me and I am in him. And so if you're to believe in the father you believe in Jesus. You believe in the words that he says, and you believe in the works that he does. Because as he's just said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus then goes on to to say something that sounds rather remarkable. In verse 12, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, So, Jesus says he's doing the works of the Father, and then he says, whoever believes me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. Now, Jesus, as the omnipotent, almighty Son of God, can certainly do more powerful things than you and I can do. So, what does he mean that as believers we do greater things than he there's some discussion on this. Part of it is is geographical—a greater radius around Jerusalem, if you will. So Jesus confines his ministry to to Judea, to Samaria, Galilee, and a little bit of the Gentile land north of Galilee, and and that's that's where he um, conducts his public ministry. But after he rises from the dead, he he sends his disciples to all nations to make more disciples to to do his work, and thus to do the work of his Father. So part of the greater works that believers do is they they extend the kingdom. It also perhaps has a sense that if Jesus is the foundation, then, then the church is built upon him. So as believers go about their lives, as they go about sharing his word, and and others come to Christ, as the church grows, um, it becomes greater. And this, too, is an idea of the greater works that believers do, simply because they are continuing and expanding upon the foundation that Jesus has laid. And Jesus concludes in this in this talk about greater works by saying, "Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you will ask me anything in my name, I will do it." Now this is a uh, a couple of verses that gets taken out of context, especially by the uh, well, the televangelist crowd and the name it and claim it people because they They make the the interpretation, the bad interpretation, if you have enough faith, Jesus will do whatever you ask because he said so. But you'll note that Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, which is another way of saying, whatever you ask according to my word. So, Jesus sends his disciples out in his name to be his apostles. If you think, perhaps, to a, oh, a, a hypothetical situation where a, a king sends out his ambassador to another king's court, and when the ambassador arrives, the king says, Why should I listen to you? And the ambassador says, Because I come in the name of king so-and-so. Which is another way of saying, I come with a message from King so and so representing him. So to, to go in the name of Jesus is to go and and um and say what Jesus would say, to deliver his message, is to 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 speak his word. Likewise, then to ask in the name of Jesus is is to Pray and ask according to his word. So Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, according to my word, whatever you ask that I have promised to do, I will do. Why? Because my will and the Father's will is the same, and that is we keep our promises for your salvation. So to ask in the name of Jesus is to ask according to his word, And Jesus then ends by saying, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So we have two great pieces of joyful information here. The first is that Jesus will keep his promises. And the second is that he is still at work through them. In other words, Jesus doesn't just say, Um, Whatever you ask my name, I will give you enough power and ability to accomplish stuff for me. He's saying, I will do it. I am still at work with you and through you. Reminds me of Galatians 2.20 where St. Paul says, "Um, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So here, as Jesus begins his Last Supper discourse, as his disciples are are terribly tensed, um, anxious, because Jesus says his crucifixion is near and that they will abandon him soon, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled because though he is, he is going away via a cross, he is going away so that they might have a place in his father's house and that if they have him, they have the way and the truth and the life that they might live in the house of the Lord forever. That the father and the son are at work together so um the Father will deliver his Son from the cross and and deliver them. And that whatever they ask in the name of Jesus, once he is on his way, Jesus will give them and work through them. And these promises still hold fast for us, too. Rather than wonder, have we done enough or gone far enough to, so that heaven is ours? Jesus says, if you have me, you have the way and the truth and the life. And so you have the Father and you have the Holy Spirit and you have heaven as well. So do you have Jesus? And the answer is, you do. Because he, he, he joined you to himself already in holy baptism. You've died and risen again in him. Whenever he speaks his word to you through the lips of another, um, or even as you read his word off the page, the word made flesh is at work to strengthen your faith. And of course, in the Lord's Supper, he gives you his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. So, you have a place in the Father's house, because for the sake of the Son of God, you are also a child of God, both, both now and forevermore. And what joy is that? All right, that concludes our quick look at John 14, verses 1 through 14. The Lord bless your further meditations on this text. God grant you every good gift if you are teaching this to others. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.